what? That doesn't make any sense at all. What do you mean? <laughs> don't eat vegetables. What do you mean? Just eat beef? Beef? Can anybody possibly survive on just eating beef? I'd like to begin with a trigger warning. This is completely, utterly mad. You're gone. If you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. One of the greatest epics ever produced. Well, get ready. You ain't seen nothing yet. So I'm going to turn this corner toward the carnivore topic. And I want to get into your own history of it, and, and I'll probably share some of mine that I haven't before too, but there have been questions coming my way about it, and I've been hesitant hesitant to answer, it, largely because when you talk about nutrition, it's, it's like you're talking about somebody's children. It, people get very, very emotional very, very quickly, and I'll be the first to admit that what, uh, what I'm currently doing is a, about the equivalent of believing in a flat earth. Uh, it, it's like on that scale, but you know what got me really thinking, God, I, gotta, I, I have to say something about this at some point, and – uh, it'd probably be good if, if Will was there with me because I have to blame Pastor Whedon for, for putting me onto this in the first place. But how do you theologically do this? How can you possibly biblically eat animals and only eat animals? I'm going to leave both those sitting there in the air for a second, though. And first, I think maybe for the sake of the listener, we maybe should just even define what is that? What is what is carnivore? What is low carb? What is keto? Um, you know, what is uh, paleo? All that stuff. And maybe if you if you give a little of your own history, that'll that'll give you a chance to define some of those terms along the way. Because I know you traveled through a few of those on the way. You mind doing that? Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely uh, was. I, you know. Way, 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 way back when I was about 40 years old, my wife and I, um, I, and I had really, oh, Jonathan, I was so heavy. Um, and pe- people see pictures of me from back then and they can't believe it's the same person. You know what? What was your weight um, then? I'm curious. Not that weight's the I, I didn't but... weigh. I didn't look. I didn't want to know. Hmm. Um, I'm guessing I was north of 200 and I'm a little guy. Um, I mean, it was just bad and it happened gradually, but you know, you eat the standard American diet. And this is what's going to happen to the vast majority of us. Um, And I was eating it. I like potato chips. I love potato chips. Um, And uh, we discovered the low carb thing um, with Atkins. We did the Atkins. We had great success. My wife lost um, over a hundred and gosh, I can't remember, 140 pounds, something like that. And she she had great success with it. And, and I did too. I I went back down and, and from that point on, I basically stayed about the same. I've learned, um, you know, I, I have variations, but I learned that, okay, low carbing is definitely the way to do. Carbs are kind of problematic for me. So that was just an observation. They were problematic in my body. I just found out if I eat, I, I, I love homemade bread. I used to make my own homemade mm. bread, but, but you know, I found out it doesn't love me. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I felt so much better. I always had stomach issues too, Jonathan, really bad. I won't go into the details, but I'll just say they could be embarrassing moments. Hmm. And so I, I just needed something that was not going to be treating me like that. And certainly low carb helped a lot with that. I went through paleo, did that, that a little bit too, which uses an awful lot of nut flowers and things like that. Um, so just define paleo as you go past it though. What, what does that mean? 
paleo? Um, the idea is before agriculture. So the kind of, which is kind of a joke when you're talking about nut flowers. Yeah, right, right. Nut <laughs> but um, the idea is that you try to eat before the, the, the setting in of agriculture um, with, uh, if, if you think, think, think able, not cane. Okay. Right, right. Um, and, uh, well, uh, if I could throw in then in one sense, uh, if I understand it right, paleo is sort of like a whole food approach. So if, if you could yeah, get it yeah. out of the ground well, 30, or off a tree right. or from an animal, right. but the right. moment you're like more than two ingredients on the box, like now you're not really doing paleo. Right, right. In other words, and so the whole thing was a lot about make your food, make your own food. Don't just buy, you know, uh, food like substances that the, you know, that, that are cheap, that are easy to make, um, and that they sell you. Uh, instead work on making your own food. So we did a lot of that. Um, and that was, that was really cool. We, uh, uh, we, the more that we did, the more that we learned, we just kept on reading and learning and we paid attention to our bodies Mm. and how we were reacting to things. And, um, after, after the paleo thing, I mean, I, I just kept on doing variations of that. I loved uh, Abel James's wonderful little booklet on that, um, which I can't remember the name of right now. Oh, Wild Diet, um, right? The Wild Diet? Wild Diet. Wild yeah. Diet, right, right. Wild Diet, that was a lot of fun. He was really big into the vegetables, though, so we really upped the vegetables then. But I wasn't feeling great. I was still having my, you know, moments that I was like, this is really bad. What am I supposed to do here? Um, and then, of all things, you know, my son mentioned to me, have you heard that craziness of Jordan Peterson on the Joe Rogan podcast? I was like, no. Um, but you know, I, I like Jordan Peterson. I always appreciated the, you know, the work that he's done. And, uh, I mean, don't agree with him all the time, but I certainly have, have benefited from it. So I thought, I would, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to hear it. So I, I listened and listening to that, I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. What do you mean? <laughs> don't eat vegetables. What do you mean? Just eat beef? Beef? Can anybody possibly survive on just eating beef? Um, anyway, it was, it was, it was wild. I mean, Rogan wasn't having it either, right? You know, he was really freaking out over it. Um, and then I just started researching more and more. I came across Sean Baker, mm-hmm. um, you know, a doctor who is just really, uh, uh, uh what is he? An us, us, I can never get orthopedic it right. A bone doctor. Orthopedic surgeon, yeah. I think. Yeah. Orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. There we go. Uh, a bone doctor. And he, he, he's phenomenal in, in his, his practice of it. I came across Dr. Ken Berry, another great physician who had uh, big insights on it. He, and again, he's not, none of these guys are real dogmatic. Like, Hey, you can eat veggies, eat veggies, whatever. But we find that we do really well without them. So that's the, the basis of my trying it was what's it like if I try a month of not eating any vegetables and see what, what happens. And, you know, no, 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 nothing but animal product during that month. And so if gosh. we define, if we define carnivore, the idea is nothing but animal product now. Yeah. I mean, all right, let, let's, all right. So, so let, let's, let's come clean on this. There, there, there are all these variations on carnivore. It's very good to, to recognize. I guess you would call me a hyper carnivore. Mm-hmm. In other words, I mostly eat, I overwhelmingly eat meat. That's my normal way of eating. But I have found that I can drink coffee. I want to, don't, don't let me forget to talk about the coffee thing. That was really great for not confounding variables and causation. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I, I, I have that regularly every day. Um, I, and that's a plant, obviously it's a plant product. I, I will drink tea. That's a plant product. Um, 
I, uh, I, I will even put in occasionally an onion. I use mushrooms. Mushrooms are not plants. That's true. That not is animals. Right. They're, they're uh, own, his own thing. That's so fun. Um, and they're, they're, they're pretty tasty with your steak. Um, and I do dairy. I've never had issues with the dairy that I'm aware of. So I, I've had no problem with enjoying. Um, I, and I don't, I don't like milk. I've never liked milk. I, I've always found it to be really gross tasting. Um, but I like cream. <laughs> yeah. And I love cheese. So I, I eat all those kind of things. And occasionally I, I might try a little bit of avocado. I'm just not, I, it's, it's good, but it's not like something that I crave. Um, so and the weirdest thing was when you lose the, the sugar taste. Um, I mean, how, I, I know you must have had that happen. It's just so bizarre. Well, I keep using um, stevia in my coffee, which is, has kept me. Uh, okay. You're putting stevia. Okay. Yeah. See, I, 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 someday I, I may I kick it. No- we'll see. I, I just can't believe that. I, I mean, I just don't even want it. Don't crave it. Don't think about it. Um, it doesn't tempt me. I can look, you know, I, I, I can look at a donut. I look at that and I go, I'm that, not going to put yeah, poison gross. in my mouth. It's gross. I, I will <laughs> say I had a, I was at home for Thanksgiving with my folks and my mom made her cherry pie and it made it for my dad. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I watched my dad eat it. And I was like, all right. And I said, can I just have, you know, a cherry out of that thing? Just give me just I – don't, I don't want any bread. Just give me the cherry. And I put that thing in my mouth, and I almost spit it out. Like I did not want it. As soon as it went in my mouth – mom's probably listening. I'm sorry, mom. Um, I, I, I did not want it. It just – and so, so the taste change has happened for me. I don't want to say that it hasn't at all. Yeah. No, um, it's weird. I, it's it is, so it is, weird. It's incredible. Uh, and what uh, what I can't believe is how sweet good salt tastes to me now. I have oh, the, man. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Put that Himalayan salt in my coffee, and it's like who needs sugar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I put a little a little uh, grass fed butter on my steak, and my mom uh, has this like this flake yeah. salt. I don't even know where she gets it. I'm supposed to be getting some for Christmas. It's this flake salt, and it crunches, and it just oh, it's just so good. So, but let's come back to uh, so you said you, you you tried this out because you were having issues with your body, and you're looking for answers, and you're researching, and you're finding people that are doctors with answers you say well this there's reasons for this here try it this way and you go on to this you try it for a month and then and then what happened well i mean it actually felt great it worked um and uh i didn't want to lose the coffee thing so let me throw that back in there too throughout this whole time i still had the one recurring trouble in my life has always been migraines and um I, i mean from when i was a kid i mean like throw throw up kind of thing and I, I, I thought, uh, I don't know what it, I still don't know what cost them, but I do know this, that when last, last Lent, we decide, or pre-Lent, Cindy and I decided we're going to just, you know, get rid of the coffee maker and we'll, we'll just do some pour over coffee because it's more of a pain in the patookas. And, and that way we probably won't drink so much. And, and we were going to really cut back and maybe even just get rid of coffee entirely. Well, it didn't work to get rid of coffee entirely. We both dismissed it so much. We ended up putting it back in. Um, but what happened by getting rid of the brewing coffee, I mean, you know, I had the thing that it, it, the, the beans would, would, would grind in the morning and it would make it, we go out there, you'd have fresh coffee, right? Mm. But it was brewed. I lost the, I lost the migraines. Hmm. I mean, they totally went away. I thought, is it just because I've cut back on the coffee? Well, no, I've, I've added lots of coffee in since then, but it really is true. I have to do the pour over. Huh. Um, and when I tried, like I, the, 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 since, since the beginning of pre-Lent last year, the only migraine I had was during convention 
when I was um, this summer down in, uh, uh, where were we? Uh, Tampa. <laughs> and, and, and I went to Starbucks and I felt badly always asking them to do a pour over because, you know, in the morning, right, especially right, they're, right. you know, they're busy. so I went, I just started drinking regular coffee there and sure as shoot within about four days, I had a headache that would not stop just like, and I was like, Oh wow. That is just so, really strange. So, so what do you think it is I, in a regular brew that's different than a pour? Because it's the same coffee. Isn't I have it? no idea. Yeah, I asked. I asked my son-in-law this, who is a coffee connoisseur. He said there is a different chemical um, reaction, and he didn't know exactly how to explain it to me. Huh. But I'm like that. That's just kind of weird. But the, for me, anyway, that that was the last health issue. It's like okay, my stomach's great. I don't have any other issues that way. I am, I, I, I feel great. I never imploded. Hmm. Um, I just am full of energy all the time. I've never had too much trouble with energy, but I mean, I'm full of energy and ready to go all the time. And the food is simply wonderful. And I don't have to eat much of it. Um, so uh, what part of the thing, a lot of people on this journey find out is that when you go carnivore, you're eating such a nutrient dense food that maybe you can eat twice or uh, maybe even once a day. Um, that that's so freeing. You're like, so, I mean, I did, a, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. Um, not because I'm necessarily just trying to so much as I just, yeah. I'm full. I don't eat it. Yeah. If you're getting um, enough protein, you're getting enough protein. Your body doesn't want much, much more than that. At right, the end of the day. right, right, right. Uh, and if you're not getting the, and this is something that I love that uh, Dr. Ted Nyman talks about, that if your body, his book, by the way, um, what is it called? Protein to Energy PE. That is a gold, a gold mine of information. Um, and he's not a strict carnivore. He recognizes that carnivore works. Mm-hmm. Um, but he himself, I think he definitely eats veggies without any problem at all. I think he says he could easily go up to 100 carbs a day and not have problems. But he doesn't eat poison. He doesn't eat crap. Um, he, uh, he had in there that if you, your body will get the amount of protein it needs, it will get it. And it will drive you to keep on eating the, the, um, what he calls the energy food. So your, your fats and your carbs, it will keep you eating those till it's protein need has been satisfied. Yep. Yep. It will just keep driving it. And I, this has been so much my experience when I just focus on my protein, just eat tons and tons and tons of my, uh, you know, meat and egg and, and, uh, uh, cheese sometimes too. It, it just takes care of that need. And I, I, I don't need, um, to eat three times a day for sure. So that, that was a piece, you know, when I heard that you were doing this and I thought that's crazy, but I'm really curious. Um, the, the piece of information that first got me thinking, all right, I'll give this thing a shot. What was that, that bit that the human body when it's hungry is looking for protein and that the vast majority of foods that we go to in the United States are very low protein, high sugar. And so what we do is we eat a crud ton of sugar spike our insulin, go into a, a an overdrive that is followed by a depressed state that is hungry again because you still don't get enough protein. So you get in this in, insulin cycle. That's a whole different topic. But you don't have enough protein in, all, in the midst of all that sugar. So you, you just overdose trying to get that protein level up and you can never quite get it. There's not there's just not no. a protein in a potato, right? So, so you're <laughs> always tired, right? Yeah. You're always yeah. tired. You're grumpy. Yeah, right. And you're always hungry. And, and you're, hungry. you know, 
and you're and you're and then you got the the hangry coming from the insulin spike coming off and uh so so when i when i learned that you know that that you're going to eat to protein satiation i was like well what happens if i eat to protein satiation uh and and i started trying this thing and uh you know fair disclosure within the family too pretty quickly we're like well uh we're not going to make our kids go carnivore at least not right away but we're going to make sure they eat some more meat (laughs) we're going to put it on their plate so you eat that first uh and um uh my my process has been similar to yours. I, I I never dealt with the headaches, but I uh, I definitely had have had weight issues since my early twenties. Uh, never I carry it well, so nobody would really know it. Uh, but you go back and you look at uh, any of my early Rovio Everlasting videos, and then look at the stuff I'm doing right now, and you can see there's a good inch off my face. I'd say it's it's pretty significant. Um, but you know I I tried paleo. And was really kind of half on it, half on wild diet with a little bit of Tim Ferriss cheat day thrown in there, maybe too often. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. so I was I was floating in the one eighties, which again you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought much of it. But if no, you know, I mean, you're a talk guy, you can get away with it. But, right? but but yeah, but I get out of the shower and there's a mirror right there, and I go, hmm, yes, yeah. And so what, what stunned me was I did this one month uh, 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 trial, kind of like you did. So, well, I'll try it a month. I can't die in a mm-hmm. month, right? Uh, and and right. I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, but isn't this bad for you? Because I think that's important. But I want to get the theology too. Um, can't die in a month. I'll try it. And I, as the pounds just fell off me, I, I couldn't believe it. They did, they just, just disappeared from my body. I also experienced uh, slight muscle growth. And suddenly yeah, my, yeah. my arms oh, yeah. were looking like they're supposed – I'm like, wait a minute. Who is that in the mirror? Like this is right. – and I'm at a point now, and I was I was doing a little weightlifting, um, but I'm doing more now, uh, pull-ups every day, that kind of thing. And stuff I, I always hated doing it, and I still struggle to make myself do it some mornings. But as I was doing that, I'm at a point now. I'm 41 years old. I am in significantly better shape than I was when I was 18. Like I did not look – like you should when you're 18. I was living on soda pop and pizza and I was a skinny little athletic kid, but, but skinny as anything, not a, not a bit of muscle on me. And it's like, cause well, you weren't eating any protein, you idiot. No protein. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Um, you got and, it. <laughs> and now I look, I mean, God, I wish I'd look this. I was probably good. I didn't look this like this. When I was I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know what? I mean, you know, I, I, I look at, I look at the same thing. I'm like, my, my wife said over and over again, she's like, your body has really changed. Um, you know, and I don't know why, but I do think it happens faster for the guys it does. Than for the girls. It on does. This. Um, but it is really true that you feed that you, you are what you eat, you eat the protein that's muscle meat you're eating and it just seems to go to muscle. Yeah. Um, you know, your body, it's just bizarre. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And, uh, I know I've seen many carnivores uh, talk about this online where they're, they're looking stunning. They don't even work out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, right. It's just because they've been eating the meat. I, right. I, what, do you remember Joe and Charlene? Say that them? again. I mean, Joe never works out. Joe and Charlene Anderson, they've been doing this for 20 years. Hmm. Um, and Joe looks like he's, I mean, he's, he's my age, a little older, actually. He is so built. I'm like, whoa. And it's it's from eating the meat. I mean, they they only eat ribeyes. That's all. They yeah, eat I can't quite day. afford. I can't quite afford I that one yet. I'm not that kind of a girl. No. I wish I could be. Yeah, um, but uh, we, we, I we got my wife on that by doctor's orders. That's a whole other story. Um, she does, she does ribeye uh, every day. Um, my my stomach also. I didn't have 
from what it sounds like what you have, but I had a constant indigestion, uh, constant uh, acid reflux issues. Reflux, yeah. And yep. that's all gone. That's all gone. Uh, yeah, my sleep. Amazing. I still use my sleep apnea machine, um, and uh, I'm thankful for my sleep doctor. But my sleep is better. I'm probably sleeping six hours a night. Uh, and wow, I used to, for I you, used that's to, amazing. I used to need nine or ten, right? So I wake up uh, around four thirty, sometimes five. If I go to bed too late, it'll be later later than that. But I can't go more than six hours, and I and I'm ready to go. I'm ready for a day to right. go. Um, so those kinds of changes, you know, they're not, they're not promises, but it's like at a certain point, you're like, well, my body seems to like this, but then this is a good segue. It's bad for you. Like, this is supposed to kill us. It's, it's supposed to be how we die. And I don't, I don't necessarily need you to answer all of that, but you know, you, you mentioned meat being nutrient dense. And so maybe just explain that alone, because I think that's the, the lost piece of information here. We need the vegetables to get our nutrients is what we're told. And the vegetables yeah. do have nutrients, but some meats have nutrients too. Some don't, right? So it, it's not and like it's all the same. No, I mean, they're, they're definitely the, the meats that tend to have the greater amount of nutrient density in them. So, I mean, the, the greater bang for your buck for eating that, that meat tends to be the ruminant meats. Um, not that you just have a ruminant, obviously, the, you know, like a cow um, you know, or a sheep. Something that, that eats grass and eats lots of it and has the two stomachs, right? Um, they're digesting the nutrients for you. <laughs> so you get all the benefits of the nutrients they ate without you having to digest grass, which you can't do anyway. Mm. Um, but uh, th- that, that is absolutely the key, I think, to getting how carnivore works. It's not that you're not eating plants. It's that you're eating recycled plants. <laughs> you're eating the plants that came through another animal. Um, and they are meat is like the most amazingly digestible food you'll ever eat. Again, everybody always told us that it's so hard to digest meat, right? You know, when you're sick, don't eat meat. Nonsense. I can't believe it. I still can't believe how easy meat is to digest I, I mean compared to if you put plant product in your stomach your stomach is going to have a little bit more problem making that thing break down and 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 feed you than when you put meat in it's like when you give it meat your stomach is like yeah this is exactly what i've been waiting for and it, it just goes away. I mean, it literally goes away. I, we won't get into all the <laughs> the details of that, but you know what I mean when I say your body massively uses the meat in a way that it does not massively use vegetable. Well, so, so on that, and I so mean, you have to get rid of it. <laughs> we're not, we're not the doctors. So, if you want to listen to Sean Baker, be where I'd point you. Um, right. High performance. Outliers, so human performance outliers podcast. Human performance outliers podcast. They, That's great. It's or, just or such a Barry. wealth of it. What was it? Ken Berry. Ken Berry. And he's on Facebook. If you like to, if you like Facebook and he's got the cutest wife too. They, they, they're so funny the way they interact together and they, uh, she's not carnivore and he pretty much is. So their discussions are just great. And, and he, he'll argue that it a lot depends. His wife's uh, background is more like Mediterranean. And so he thinks that it has to do with a lot of where, where our, um, our ancestors have lived that, that helps us to, um, kind of figure out uh, uh, the best kind of diet for where we're coming from. Now, of course, most of us are such genuine mutts that right. <laughs> it doesn't much well, that, matter. That makes me curious. One of the questions my wife has had as um, – and she's uh, – I'm, I'm going to try to do – not give out too much private information here, but Meredith has, has had significant 
health issues in the last three or four years. And it is through a process of trying to get help that some of this nutrition knowledge came came our way as well or part of the seeking of that. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. is only in this most recent um, uh, coach, basically, a, a nutritionist coach, that we've we've learned maybe why and where all of the health issues came from. And it's basically pinpointed to her childhood vegetarianism. That she she went vegetarian yeah. around like twelve and she just destroyed her gut. And it, yeah. it and so we're we're trying to rebuild it now and she's actually doing a lot better. It's it's great. Um uh she had gotten uh, to a point where, you know, the challenges. I don't wanna I don't wanna go private on it, but but things that uh that at 37 shouldn't be happening to you. Right. And, uh, right. Um, so anyhow, uh, but one of the things that her, her current coach is, uh, has said is that you're, I want you on carnival right now because we got to rebuild some stuff. You need the protein. You need the, uh, the fat from the ribeyes. Um, but long term, women are different than men. And while men can really thrive on the pure carnivore, women are going to need some other supplementation. And so I, I'm curious about that too. So much of this is new information. And, and so I get like hesitancy. I get people saying, well, I don't want to go this direction. So yeah, cool. Um, this shouldn't be, this is not an end all be all. You got to be like us. Um, but if it's if, just telling them what we found, well, that's and, all. And right? you have to reckon with what the science is finding, which is that, yeah. you know, the diabetic rate in the States is, it's insane. It's just absolutely oh, I mean, off the charts. You look at what they ask diabetics to eat, oh. and you're like, "Are you kidding? This should be criminal. Yeah, this should be criminal." So, um, so at least have to engage uh, the information that's out there. And if you are struggling, yeah. you know, um, realize that there's an industry out there that's selling you this food, and some of that uh, industry is owned by the same people selling you the medicine to fix the problem caused the by drugs. the food. You better believe it. And and so all these. <laughs> Not all these. And many conferences being held about how the drugs fix it are being sponsored by the people selling the food. So when General Mills sponsors the conference that's selling the the, the insulin, like, well, hmm, you know, remember Original Sin and, and, and don't assume that they all got your best interest in mind. And uh, – and then make your decisions from there. Uh, I will say this this last piece here though too. You're, you're talking about uh, – um, Digesting the vegetables. So along with that, that cherry that I had a, yeah. diff a different evening, there was some steamed broccoli that was being passed around. And, um, ah, I, I never loved broccoli. I loved it with cheese. I hate broccoli. I, I loved it with cheese on it. <laughs> but you know what? I saw that steamed broccoli yeah, I like and, the cheese. and it, it looked good though. I was like, man, that looks really good. My mom had blanched it. it was, so it was just uh -huh. right, right? It wasn't soggy and it wasn't crunchy. It was going to be right there. I put a little salt on it. I ate it. It was good. I really enjoyed it. And I got a stomachache. Man, did I get a stomachache! Like, like within 15, 20 minutes, and it was—it's it, just—it's the fiber, right? And and so the the whole yeah, issue right. of is fiber good for you? It's fiber bad for you? And I get it. Like the 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 settled science is that it's good for you. Okay, that's cool. Run with that, but it's not settled so far as some scientists are concerned. And some of us who have stomach aches don't have them anymore when we take the fiber away. So, yep. you know, we, we got to reckon with that and, and, and we got to do it in a way that allows people to not get religious about the answer. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, that's know? so, that's what I love about, about some of the people that I've been following, like Barry or like, um, or, or like you're even Sean Baker. He's not, I mean, it's not like it's, a, they'll say it over and over again. Carnivore is not a religion. Mm. And, you know, people always want to make a tribe and do their thing and, you know, mark it off and regard other people as being, they're not real carnivores. Look at what, you know, just set that whole thing aside. 
but being able to experiment with your own body, the 30 day challenge is just, I think what can hurt, find out what, find out what's going on. People. And, and I have to say this, people that try the 30 day challenge, so many, my own, one of my daughters, I have one daughter that's a carnivore and she's uh, actually, she's pregnant. She has been, she's had such great success with it. She has, she lost a ton of weight before she got pregnant. She's had the best pregnancy she's ever had. I hmm. think it's just hmm. been amazing. Um, but my, my other daughter tried it and she just couldn't after, you know, you reach this point after, what is it? Maybe five days, something. You just think if I see another piece of meat, I'm going to throw up, right? You know, just think I can't do it anymore. Uh, I remember the same thing happening with Atkins actually earlier on too. But the what do you do when that happens? You eat more meat. You force your way through it. You just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden something clicks and your body is through throat. It's it's through throwing the temper tantrum and not being given carbs. And, and, and all of a sudden, the food is just like not an issue. And that's what I've loved most of, of all, Jonathan. I mean, the food is just like not an issue. We just don't think about food hardly at all. Um, we have delicious food. We enjoy it when we, you know, when we sit down to eat. But we don't have to think about it hardly any. Um, as you mentioned, that, that initial hump. I think a lot of that has to do with ketosis. And so that's something yeah. we didn't mention earlier in the, in the track of diets. I learned about ketogenics and the ketogenic right. diet probably four years ago, again, through Tim Ferriss. And it was, you know, the history of this being developed as a way to combat uh, seizures in children initially, but then right. discovering that it has value for performance athletes. And then you look at some of the people that, uh, that initially were promoting it and what they had to do to be in ketosis. I was like, always interested in, in pursuing it, but it was like, well, you got to weigh yeah. like every piece of food. And like, I don't have, I don't got time for that. And who's going to do that. And what happens with carnivore, if you, hyper carnivore if you just are careful with it um is you hit ketosis after two weeks or so and you're in it and and man alive is that a is that a shot in the arm um so so for someone who's out there saying how can you guys be doing this just say reframe this in your head to to feel better about us we're we're on a ketogenic diet is what we're on and we're on a Ah, ketogenic diet that that prioritizes high quality ruminant proteins Right. And, and because we want the best nutritional value, I want to get all my iron. I want to get all of my whatever else, iodine, all the various minerals that you need to survive. I want to get them and they're in beef. And so I you know, prioritize the beef. Um, and, yep. uh, my mom, God bless your mom. If you're listening, she thinks my kids are going to get scurvy. It's, it's funny. It's, it's like, <laughs> That's everybody. That's the standard joke, right? You watch, look all the long-term carnivores, and they're all like, "Oh man, I haven't had my scurvy happen yet." Yeah. Well, I, I when I when that was first said to me, and I haven't looked it up again to to figure out what the chemical is. I don't have it memorized. Whatever it is, you're missing that causes scurvy. But you can go Google it really easy um, and look for a piece of steak, and you got more than your daily allowance in a single piece of steak to not get scurvy. It's fine. The the the, the guys on the ships going across the ocean were not. They weren't eating, eating steak. <laughs> <laughs> Columbus didn't serve them steak. No, no it was it was it was hard tech. Bread. Hard tech. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. so okay. We got to address the theology though here a little bit and, and, and not in a way where we get religious. Obviously, I don't think this is something that is mandated for Christians. I think good stewardship of everything is something you should pursue, but then we have freedom in these things as well. And, uh, I, I hardly believe that a sign of your sanctification is your physical health. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, it can be a sign of your 
nutrition that you have poor or, or good health, but that is not a sign of your faith. Your, your faith is reliant upon who Jesus is and what he does for you, his promises he has given to you. And that is uh, it's a strictly distinct matter. With that said, then, the question that I've had thrown at me is, how can you, pastor, do this? Because, one, we were created vegetarians, and then, two, Jesus used bread in the Lord's Supper. And I think those are two different questions, um, but I really – and I, I have my own answers, but I really would love to hear your thoughts on those in, in either order that you'd like. How? Because how, I, I know you're a theologian. I know you've you've thought this stuff, right? So, so – as you're pondering, as you're ruminating on these things, what do you come up with? Well, you know, I have thought about both of those a bit. Um, let me take the second one first, because that's the easier one. Um, I believe that the bread that Jesus gives me to eat in the Lord's Supper is his body. <laughs> he gives me, the, the wine that he gives me to drink is his blood. And so I'm just counting on what he says there. And uh, I, I don't have any hesitation about receiving the Eucharist. I receive it, you know, whenever I can in such a joy. About the, um, we were created vegetarian. We were created in a world that is no longer accessible to us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's really part of the point of the, 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 the description of the four rivers in Genesis is to make sure you realize that that world that's described there ain't the world you're living in and experiencing now. Uh, things, something, the fall really affected all of creation. But from the time that we were created, we were still created with this truth. We only go on living because we put something into our body that has died. That's true, right? Um, whether it's a carrot <laughs> or you know, a, a broccoli sphere or whatever, you, you kill it to eat it. You know, you cut it off from its life to enable yourself to eat it. Um, and certainly at the beginning, God forbade the um, eating of, of, of meat. There is no question. He, he did not give, you know, the, the, the meat to be eaten. But then you reach a point in the narrative, and I don't know why. He never says why. But he tells Noah after the flood that he may eat meat. Um, as I gave you the green plants, now I give you everything, right? And once you have that uh, pro- uh, prohibition removed, you are free to eat meat. And if you choose to eat overwhelmingly meat and not eat um, the veggies and, and fruits and stuff, I see nothing in the Bible that would in any way challenge you on that. It's like, what? well, okay. <laughs> if you eat meat, you give thanks to God and it's all good. Remember how Paul treats this when he's asking you to do it, the food sacrifice to idols. Um, you, 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 you simply receive what God gives you with gratitude. And I think the gratitude is actually in your face a little bit more when you're realizing I'm eating a living creature. It had a life. It gave that life up so that I could go on living. I mean, fundamentally, you got to see that that is the heart of the Eucharist itself, right? He gives his life up so that we can actually have that eternal life that is in him. And he gives himself to us as food to eat um, his body and his blood. I, I think there's a, honestly a, a huge connection there with just our natural life. We, we cannot go on living except by reception of stuff into our bodies. You know, that's a fact. I, I wrote down a lot of stuff that you made me think of. That I kind of been there in my own thoughts, but 
But that last piece now, okay, so there's a marvelous collect in the church. I don't know, you'll, you'll be able to know, you know, what, what uh, season this is from, but, you know, that as by a tree, we, we were overcome. So by a tree, he overcame right. something like that. Right. It's the proper preface for Lent. Yes. Yeah. So for actually a holy week. Yeah. So, and, so the idea, and, I, and I've made this case before against the sacramentarians that um, why should it be strange that God saves us by giving us food to eat since we fell by eating food, right? Like, exactly. Like that shouldn't be weird. But what I've never seen till this moment was how we fell by eating fruit and we're saved by eating meat. Eating meat. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is interesting. Um, that's a fascinating thing. And, and so in the Lord's Supper, you have both of these things together. Um, now I'm, I'm going to kind of follow your track of how you answered it and just add a couple of pieces uh, in this. Um, with the supper, I found it very interesting. There's two pieces here. I read a book a while ago called Wheat Belly. Not the most yes. fun read. He's a little detailed. Uh, but one of the things that's really interesting out of that is how what we call wheat today is not – what wheat was a hundred years ago and then some. And and if you really want the wheat that your great, great grandfather ate, you can't even really get it. Like it, it doesn't even exist except for, I think in the book, he found one farm in like New Hampshire that's trying to bring it back. Uh, yeah. To travel out there I mean, to taste. Yeah, you can I, I find einkorn, but it's really pricey. Right? It's very right, tough yeah. to find it. And, and so, you know, if we're going to talk about what Jesus wanted us to eat, we have to, you know, kind of start with that part of the conversation, but then it still doesn't deal with the issues of gluten, Right, which uh, is effectively a protein that mimics right. it mimics another protein you need, and it replaces it in your body, and that's what can cause problems. It attaches to things and won't let go, and all this stuff. Um, so, so uh, those issues shouldn't stop us from saying, "Well, he took bread, and he said this is his body." This is your argument, you know? So, so we we trust it. What I find now, and so again, don't, this is not dogma. What I'm about to say, this is simply my speculation, but I find it fascinating that. I don't think you can get any doctor that's going to argue that alcohol is good for you. Like that this is, this is health food. Alcohol is a poison. It's a low level poison, but it's a poison. And at the end of the day, all of its effects on you are a result of that poison. And he chose that and he said, drink this. Yep. This is my blood. And I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me. And I'm not telling you you can't drink alcohol. I still I still imbibe from time to time. I try not to mainly because I want to stay in ketosis. That's my main thing. And if I have a little too much alcohol, I'm, my ketosis is gone for three days, and that's awful. But you drink all the alcohol you want, well, within reason. So so uh, then I find it interesting that maybe – and look, if, if he took this this food that we need to survive in a fallen world, bread, like, like we're, we're, civilization isn't existing at least in, in his time without that. Um, and you, and then this, uh, this drink that all mankind can have in some way, both of which end up being bad for us, both of which end up having serious detrimental effects on the body when we, when we're careful and look at scientifically what it does. He took both of those things. He said, this poison is now life. Look at this. Let me take your death and make it life. And again, for me, that just, I'm not saying that that's, that's the dogma. I'm saying my conscience says, yeah, why not? That doesn't bother me. I'm fine with this. It could be this way. Uh, and if, if there's some other answer to that, great. Uh, it is not going to stop me from having the Lord's Supper. And it's not going to stop me from believing it is what it is. When it comes right. to the, um, the, the issue with the vegetarian thing, this is where I gotta, I gotta get on a hobby horse a little bit here. I'm, I'm deeply concerned about using modern words to describe ancient realities 
especially if those modern words are attached to political movements that are vociferously anti-Christian. And the vegan movement, without question, is anti-human, uh, let alone anti-Christian. And vegetarianism as a, as a word also is largely tied to that movement and that way of thinking about things. You know, can't kill an animal. Um, and I've, I've wrestled with, you know, what well, did he create us as herbivores? Um, and it's like, okay, so now let's break the words down here. So vegan means, you know, you eat nothing that casts a shadow or whatever. Um, and that's just, that, that doesn't, that certainly didn't exist. Vegetarian. So what is a vegetable? Is, is a, is a tomato a vegetable? Is a squash a vegetable? What, what does that mean to be a vegetarian? And then I've tried the word herbivore too, but that's even worse because now it's only leaves, right? I mean, the herb is, is, is the leaf. So what is it that we were actually created to be and to eat in the garden? None of those words really define it. It says we were given to eat of the seed-bearing plants, and does that mean the seeds? Does that mean the leaves? Does that mean the roots? Does that mean the the fruit? And then this throws me toward, Will, what you were saying about death, because I do believe that death did not exist before the fall. So how could it be that we would eat and absorb other parts of creation and not have death be present? And the answer is fruit is how. Um, you have seed bearing fruit that falls to the ground because the tree wants you to eat it because it moves the seeds around and makes more trees. And so if you understand that we were made to eat the fruit in the garden uh, and we're given all the trees to do that, I'm much more comfortable with that. Now, if you want to talk about fruititarianism, there are people who actually are trying that today and it's probably less healthy than anything else we've talked about so far. It's really not good for you. But if we're going to talk about what we were created, I'd say that's what we were created. Then you have the issue of the fall that you mentioned, which not only is it like like death comes, everything gets bad. So like you maybe don't like apples now because you like sugar too much, but but you should like apples because they got a lot of sugar in them and they're tasty. But the apple that you like that has sugar in it is, is so tasty is not the apple that you would have found on a tree in Germany 400 years ago. Uh, no way. No way, Jose, <laughs> right? Uh, you would have found something closer to a crab apple, which is probably what the initial fruit look like after the fall. And then you throw in thorns into this entire thing, which uh, I think you probably would, would preach this way, that, that the thorns is bigger than just thorns. It's, it's an expression of all the, the, the minute and varied ways that creation has, has been broken. The concrete has cracks in it, right? Everything is decaying all the time. But the more I've learned about this little thing called an oxalate, I don't know how much you looked into those. Um, oh man, that's that's a fascinating area all by itself. It, it really is. Talk about little thorns. You're they're little, they're thorns. little tiny thorns. That's exactly what it is. So I can't help you like, well, huh? Look at that. So now we have thorns on all the plants that we're supposed to eat, and those thorns again. I mean, kidney stones. Hello, it it, it it's shown. It hurts you. And then you have this moment uh, that you mentioned after the flood, and and here's where it really. If it's going to hit your faith at all, at least let it hit your faith in this point. Why? I, I always assumed, I assumed that before that moment, we could have eaten animals. God just wouldn't let us eat the animals. And I, I have started to ask myself, why did I assume that? Why did I assume that, the, that, the, that God just didn't want us to have hamburger even though he made it, right? Uh, and, and he was just holding us back. But now, thank God for the flood so we can have a burger. Like that's kind of my, my, my impious youth looking at that text. But there's an assumption there. Why am I assuming that the animal wasn't poisonous before and now the animal's not poisonous to eat? Why is this not a, a worldwide fall equivalent miracle 
semi-redeeming creation so that man can survive in it in a healthy way? Why, why is this not a gift by which the ruminant just gets an extra stomach? And, and you know, there's a whole swing of animals that now have an extra stomach so that they can be food for man. And in that regard, no matter how – if you don't, you don't want to go that far, that's fine. But to see then – and this was your point, I think – that this is a gift now and we should take it as that. It, it is not a, a, a condescension. A, a condescension. Um, it is not something that's like you know, like divorce. When Paul says, you know, if, if they if they flee from you, then you can let them go. I, I, you know, or like Moses does, where he says that you can give the certificate of divorce. It's not a condescension. This is a gift that God gave. And then one more piece. I don't know if you have you thought about this once. I, I was I don't know where I found this piece because um, it was from Lutherans and, and inadvertently it wasn't from a scientist. All the animals that are ruminants. Those are the clean animals. Those are the ones for sacrifice. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Those are, so those are the ones they're supposed to eat in old Israel. That's quirky, to say the least. It's quirky uh, that that the ones that he wants them eating and sacrificing are uh, are the ones that have the better portions. And uh, I'm not going to leave behind uh, David's talk about the fatty portions and God's talk about the fatty portions being the good portions of meat as well. Um, there's all these pieces, right? Um, so when it comes down to it, I just don't see this being against our faith, but I want to reemphasize as much as I've come to terms with how I could see it being a good thing and part of creation, I don't think it's a, a requirement of our faith in any way at all. Heck no, no, right? no, not, not at all. Yeah. I, but I think someone's going to hear it that way. I, I do because people get religious about their food, right? And, and this is a threat, I think. Um, whenever we have something that's different or maybe would cause us to question what we're doing, uh, we we put the hackles up a little bit, um, so I I don't know maybe maybe this is a good question to ask you then. What what place does your health have in the Christian's life? I mean, is that is that too much to ask? Well, I think I think health has an important part of our life in one way. Um, number one, well, a couple of ways. Number one, we live in a, in a culture in a society that is simply obsessed with health in, I think, an unhealthy way, hmm. right? Um, what do we mean by health? What do we mean by health? When we're talking about our bodies, we're talking about giving them adequate fuel, giving them adequate rest, and giving them adequate exposure to the world God made us to live in, not these fake worlds that we tend to inhabit most of the time, right? These little shelters where we hang out away from the sun, away from uh, time out in, in God's world. And I do believe that um, being concerned about what you put in your body can just simply be a good act of stewardship. Being concerned to move your body the way that God intended your body to actually move. I mean, did he intend for us to be couch potatoes? If so, I think we would have, he would have been the inventor of the couch. He didn't invent the couch, right? You know, um, people, people were made to move. Uh, people were made to, uh, you know, I keep thinking about the Rechabites, you know, with the, with, uh, uh Jeremiah. Remember that? They, they bring them in and, and, and Jeremiah is told, set, set the wine, fill, fill up glasses of wine and set it from there. Like, no, we can't touch that. We promised our father, John, that we, we would never do that and, and that we would never plant crops and that we would always live in tents. I mean, they, they basically were nomads, right? They were going to be nomads no matter what. That's the way that they thought they were supposed to live. I think there's something honestly healthy about a, if I can put it, mimicking a nomadic way of life. Um, 
of literally being people who walk and who are on the go and who recognize that God's good world is the place that we were meant to live in here as long as God wills us to live here and, and not to try to isolate ourselves from it. Um, and, and that means also to embrace sleep, to embrace it as a good gift of God. He gives to his beloved sleep, right? You know, um, so I think health is, is a really important topic for Christians. And above all for this, that insofar as you're able by the grace of God to stay healthy and receive and seek health, of course, as a, as a gift from him, it's included in the daily bread list, right? Um, in, in the small catechism. If you seek health as a gift from him, you want it so that you can be of use to him and his service and his kingdom, so that you have energy to do the callings that he's given you to do as, as father, as husband, as brother or sister, as neighbor. Um, and certainly in the church, uh, if, if you have, uh, you know, Hey, you're, you're the organist, you need to be able to move your feet and hands at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or a pastor as preacher to be able to be strong and, and speak the word and, and not always be uh, sick and sniffling because you, uh, made bad choices about the things you put into your body. Does that make any sense? I'm, yeah, I'm it trying does. not to make it, it sound like a guilt trip. Well, I mean, it's going to, because whenever you deal with the law, there's going to be that that accusation wherever you're in, in uh, contrast with it. But I think emphasizing a belief that the creation is a gift from God with order to it and that we're a part of it and that to love that means to understand it and to use it well. And to be faithful to Jesus means to want to do that while also being fully aware that I'm going to do it in the worst possible way because I'm going to turn it toward myself somehow. And that that's going to kill me. And, and I deserve that, but then I'm, I'm redeemed from it. I'm free to, in grace, not care about the results insofar as they might hurt me, but I'm not free to not care about the results insofar as they might hurt you. And and from that place where I see the creation is a gift in which I exist in order to be there for you, now I can start looking at these various options – Right, uh, tools, understandings, and and ask, is this good for us? Uh, and so, you know, to to put it, we'll, we'll go like on a, on a full tangent here. <laughs> um, nomadic lifestyle. My my wife and I have chatted about a kind of a dream day uh, where um, you know, the real dream is that uh, the congregation loves me so much. Uh, that they say, Pastor, uh, we, we want you to retire at 50 and stay here and we'll pay you, but we'll have someone else here most of the time so you can travel <laughs> most of the time. And, and so I'll just come back and preach every, every two months or so, but that, you know, somewhere in this, we'll have, uh, a, a tiny home, if you're familiar with these things, uh, oh, yeah. on, on a bit of land somewhere, and that's our base. And then we just travel. We just go and we, we go live in somewhere for for four months, so Italy, I don't know, uh, South America, uh, learn the language, um, maybe get in touch with the church down there, uh, find out what's going on, be of aid if you can. Somebody! And- you know? Somebody's been reading too much Tim Ferriss. I have been. You're, it's the truth. It's the truth. And, I, and I'm not saying it's ever going to happen because at the end of the day, the pulpit that needs me is the one I'm going to be in. But yeah. but the the appeal of exploring and enjoying the creation, the appeal of being mobile, yeah. the appeal of having my feet on the ground. I mean you mentioned the walking too. The thing – I lived in Europe for six months as a young man and the thing I miss more than anything was walking. I walked everywhere I went. And it was it was amazing. And now I couldn't right now where I live, I couldn't walk if I wanted to. It, it would take me an hour and a half to get anywhere 
except for the church. And yeah, it just, yeah. just can't, can't do it. Uh, I mean, and, I mean, how, I mean, just, just read through your new Testament and look at all the peripatatoing. I mean, Jesus is forever peripatatoing all over the place, right? You know, president here is in love to talk about that, that he's a walker. He's always going out hmm. walking and meeting people and looking at the creation. I mean, is it an accident that he comes up in the middle of the sermon and says, look at those lilies, look at how they grow. Hmm. And you know what? They don't ever worry. But to see this, to see this in the realm of the created order and not in the realm of the moral law, uh, and not in the realm of Christian perfection, but the freedom of the gospel to love what's been given. Uh, kids, kids and gifts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's the key as, as you talk about these things and as you wrestle with whatever your nutritional goals or, um, uh, struggles might be, because certainly, I mean, it's, I don't know how you are when you do hospital visits, but I give the same sermon every hospital visit. I say, hey, so we're going to pray that the doctors get you better. That's what we're going to pray for. But one day you're not going to. And that's what I'm going to talk about right now. <laughs> and so I, I, I use it. We're preparing for death right now. It might just be a surgery on your toe, but one day you're going to be in this kind of place and you're not coming back out. And no matter what we do, no matter what our nutrition, health, wellness, sleep, all this stuff. It can hit you young and it can hit you old. It can be unexpected. It can be expected. The wages of sin is death. And we're not getting away from that. There is no nutrition that is going to keep you from sin and death. The exception being the Lord's Supper. Uh, the exception being the, the food of immortality, which is a gift of, yes, bread and wine, which is so much more according to the, the everlasting promises of the word that never perishes. So, don't let this conversation, listener, please, don't let this conversation be one which causes you guilt or trepidation that you think, oh, I'm not as healthy as them. That makes me – no, no, stop. Stop it. You know, It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about it because we were in situations that we found really, really challenging with our health and someone told us to do something crazy and we tried it and it helped. It might not help you. It might not. You might need something else. You certainly should talk to your doctor in general. Uh, so – don't take this as a moral thing. What we're trying to do is wrestle with what we found and then also say it's okay for Christians to do this. This is not an unchristian thing that we're doing, which to me is the biggest threat here, right? That, that someone would say, you, Pastor Pastor Whedon and you, Pastor Visk, you can't do this because you're Christians uh, or you're not allowed to talk about it because you're Christians. <laughs> um, and that, that bothers me because now we're not in the freedom anymore. Huh? Right. Right. We are chilling at about a, a buck forty-eight here, so let's see if I can pull out of my head a couple of these fast-fire questions that uh, that I've totally uh, forgotten. <laughs> um, and I wanted to talk about corporate culture. We never got to that. Uh, so let's see, uh, listeners. If you've been around a while, you know I got about these twenty questions I like to pull out, and I can't find them right now, uh, which should tell you how organized I am. Uh, one of them is this. One of them is what is your favorite book that is and, and I gotta I normally I just have to say that's not the Bible, but for you, Pastor Whedon, I've gotta say, what's your favorite book that's not the Bible, the Book of Concord, or any hymnal ever printed? <laughs> now you're being mean. Um my favorite book is The Lord of the Rings. Oh really? I, I yeah. never really pegged you as a fantasy guy. Huh. Are are you into other fantasy novels, like uh epic fantasy stuff? Um, not really. I do enjoy the Lord of the Rings and I enjoy Lewis's space trilogy, um, huh. but not as much as I enjoy the Lord of the 
rings. So I, um, I, I, I am a big Tolkien fan. Now, I mean, at, at the risk of, of you saying what all of us already think, um, you know, what particularly is, is the appeal for you in those? Um, you know, and the amazing thing from both of them is that they're created out from a Christian perspective of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there is, even though he's not writing about Christianity, the very truth that Christianity embodies runs its way through um, both of those uh, works. They, you know, and so you get deeper insight um, uh, all along. I mean, e- even things like capital punishment, that great line when um, – you know, Frodo says to Gandalf, he, 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 he's, he's worse than an orc and he deserves to die. And Gandalf comes back with, deserves to die. I dare say he does. And many who die deserve to live. Hmm. Can you give that to them? Then do not be over hasty to, uh, I don't remember the exact words to, you know, to meet out, yeah, to meet out justice. Um, uh, or to meet out punishment in the name of or death in the in the name of justice for not even the very wise can foresee all ends and of course you know the story it was literally without without Gollum actually attacking Frodo at the end Frodo would have kept the ring mm-hmm. and the whole thing would have been a failure so I mean yeah it's it's amazing so I, I very much appreciate that kind of insight that runs through those works yeah yeah I love it. Go, go and learn what this means I desire mercy not sacrifice it's it's really right? uh Really something. Um, okay. So same kind of question, but I'm going to say no fiction allowed. I know you read, maybe not Tim Ferriss, but you read, you read goofy, uh, hacking, forward thinking, early adopting, uh, change the world, change my life stuff. So what, what's your favorite one there? What do you go back to? Hmm. Gosh. Honestly, I love the, I mean, you know, a couple of years back, many years back, you gave me that copy of Tool of Titans. And I do pull that out and, and Tim Ferriss and, and, and look through that from time to time. Um, probably my latest favorite, though, is the one I mentioned earlier, the PE, um, which has uh, by uh, um, William Schofelt and also um, Ted Nyman. And uh, I like it because it addresses both areas of interest for me, both the exercise and the uh, the food, and it addresses it in a non-dogmatic way, and also it does the science in a way that I can kind of sort of understand because I'm not a science person. So I appreciate. So it's P protein protein energy something like that. Yeah, protein energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ted Nyman. If, if you just Ted Nyman, N A I M A N. He's an amazing writer, um, and uh, he he just he's one of these doctors who shares the goodies he's discovered. It's very very helpful. And I love when I hear him on a podcast because he's 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 Similar to you and kind of the energetic tickle he's got going on, uh, maybe a little less than you, but uh, is he the one that's doing like the one arm pull ups on videos and stuff? Oh yeah, too? man! Oh my goodness, what a thing, yeah. man! I feel that. Tell you where where I've gotten depressed is my my pull ups have have entirely plateaued, and then I look at him and oh man, it's just ah. Anyhow, um, okay. the, the, the book shows the secret of actually. I was like, "How do you actually do that?" And now I, now I think I know. I'm how gonna, to work his way up to it. I'm gonna give it a try it. myself. Because you got to <laughs> start. You got to start with something smaller than that, right? Does it uh, like a drop down no, or I mean, what? Actually, you, you start with um, putting your hand further off to the side. So one is right in front of you, and the other one is off a little to the side. Oh, interesting. So that you can't put as much pressure on that one, right? Right. The bigger one is the one that's got the pressure, and then. You, you then put like a, a cloth or something over it and hang that hand a little further lower and further off to the side. Oh, interesting. Off. 
And so you just gradually decrease the amount of pressure that you're you or that you're applying that pressure with the pull that you're using from that arm Ah. till the one arm is really doing the job. Oh, I love it. That's clever. That's clever. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever shared with anybody out here. I know I I mentioned it once in a sermon, I think, um, trying to talk about small wins, but, uh, pull-ups. I, uh, when I was in seventh grade, I remember sixth grade, the presidential physical fitness test. I remember only being able to do like one pull-up. I remember watching this other kid do like eight and I felt like such a failure. And, and then I remember in high school, we were supposed to work out before senior year for basketball and I could not do a pull-up. I could not do a, a, a dip. And my coach was like yelling at me and all this stuff. I just could never do it. And then again, it's Tim Ferriss, but he, he gave this hack. He said, well, don't do a pull-up, grab the bar, jump and slowly lower yourself down and then walk away. Do that once a day for two weeks. Then go do a pull-up. Hey, what do you know? Yeah. It worked. I could do a pull-up. <laughs> and then I just yeah. – I kept doing it. So every every time I, I do my max and I'll just lower instead real slow. And for a while there, that really worked to uh, push it in my maxes up. It's Again, like I said, it's plateaued a bit. But it's kind of stunning what – if you don't try to do the whole thing all at once and you just take some some uh, some clever hacks, you can get there. So that idea for the one arm, that's that's genius is what that is. And, and his whole idea – I mean this is in Ted's book too, the idea of – Actually, the time under pressure is what we're chasing after to strain the muscles so that they actually grow and grow stronger. And so he has this, this thing that, um, when you're doing this, right? I, I mean, I'm, I was pretty proud. I could do maybe even up to 30 some pull ups. I could do that, but I was doing them at a rather rapid clip. Right. Right. You know? right, right. Right. It's like, go slow. Right. You know, and I'm like, Oh, all of a sudden I back to like four. Oh, yeah, right. Like, oh, if I'm going really slow and then back up. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And then when when you can't go all the way back up, he has you hold it exactly where you are as long as you can till you have to just drop and then you very gradually let yourself down to the floor. It's it, it's a killer. Yeah, but that's yeah, where that's where the real growth comes from. Uh Yep. Yeah. I've been yep. I don't know who 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 is teaching that same kind of thinking when it comes to to push-ups and I'm not doing push-ups anymore. I got one of these gorilla bows, which I really I like it cuz they don't have the strain on the wrist the same way, but I never do them fast. And I don't even really do that many. It's just I just sit there and I hold it and slowly let that thing back. And um yeah, what a thing. I know I have yeah. I have other really cool tangential questions, but I can't think of them. They're all fun and random and I'm not even I'm I'm drawing a complete blank. So, uh, hmm. I want to if we can close with this, maybe, maybe not. Whatever. Uh, I want to ask you about then. You mentioned corporate culture. You mentioned the commute. You mentioned loving to walk. Uh, you mentioned sleeping well, and all these things kind of fall under stewardship. So, okay. What about the person who? wants to pursue a healthier life in general, a more religious life, a more contemplative life, to spend time in the scriptures, to be more uh, diligent with regular church attendance, all, all these things, uh, who finds that the world is uh, just won't let you. You just can't, you just can't climb out of it. And there, there are too many pieces. You can't quit your job and stop the commute. You can't get outside. You got to be at your job. Uh, your job makes you work on Sundays. You know, it's, uh, is Christianity going to, help you <laughs> or, or is it just going to smash you? Um, it is, does the Lutheran church have something to say that is more than just, well, you should try harder. Uh, what do you think? 
<laughs> that was a, that's a slow pitch question if ever there was one. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously Christianity has something to offer us that's so far beyond that. Um, the rest that you're really looking for is finally the gift that you have in Jesus. That is what he actually offers to us. Um, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, uh, you know, crushed underneath all the burdens of life. Man, they, they load on. And the older you get, the more they load. So they, they, they pile on. And as you're dealing with, can I put one foot in front of the other and keep on going? Jesus' answer is always come to me. Just come to me. That when we gather with his people, where his word is preached, where he comes to us with his body and blood, he really does give you this respite, this peace. And, um, I know some people's work schedule doesn't allow them to be at church every Sunday, or um, certainly a lot of people get blocked out from the, the midweek Wednesday services during Advent and Lent. But, oh, I treasure that opportunity at the end of a busy day. Um, I, I didn't understand when I was a pastor how people could have that look on their face when they came to church because they always had that look of, I can't believe I dragged myself here, <laughs> but did, you know, but I did. Now I got, I mean, I, when I was working at Synod, I got that. I was like, oh, I'm really exhausted. I don't want to go out. It's dark. I don't want to go back out again. And yet at the same time, I do want that rest and to just come there and to relax into the presence of God. That sounds really bad. I don't mean that in any reverent way, but there is a, the rest that you're looking for finally is only him and in him and where you don't have that rest. Nothing else is ever going to really supply it. Not all the sleep, not all the food, not all the vacations, not all the, um, the, the, the little house or the mini house. What is it called again? Yeah. The tiny home, tiny home, tiny, tiny home, the tiny home that you have on a, you know, big, big old uh, state where you don't have to worry about anybody around you. It doesn't matter. You're not going to have that rest. So you have Jesus and his finished and perfect work for you. And when you have that, you have everything, absolutely everything. Yeah, Lord Almighty, grant us a quiet night and peace at the last, as the Cockton in Compline says. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, so uh, Pastor Will Whedon is my guest. Thank you so much. Again, his his book, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, uh, is out there to help you navigate law and gospel without turning it into jargon and forgetting to live your life. Um, uh, he's also got, now, See My Savior Hands. I'm assuming this is a book about Jesus's crucifixion to some extent for the kids. Is that, uh, you got a little tidbit you can share with us on that, what that is? See My Savior Hands. Actually, I will tell you the truth of this story. I didn't write a children's book. I wrote a homily for the ascension of our Lord. um, I just happened to do the whole homily in such a way that I think it ended up grabbing hold of kids that, um, you know, the whole thing is literally following the hands of Jesus throughout his whole life up to that moment when his hands are raised in blessing over the disciples as he takes his leave of them. That's cool. That's cool. And and then new, the new podcast, new show, uh, word of the word of the Lord endures forever. You can find that at LPR, although you can't, or you couldn't, I had to like, look for it separately. I couldn't find it on the, on the LPR like webpage. If you have the LPR app, it's on the app and, um, you can just simply, it has its own webpage, the word of the Lord endures forever.org. All right. Well, tell, tell Jeff to get it on your webpage because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you should be front and center. Uh, hey, I don't tell Jeff. He's the yeah, one who tells me. I know. He's your boss. <laughs> I should call him and tell him. Uh, as, um, so uh, thank you again for your time. Hey, and um, you, where can people follow you, uh, get a hold of you? If you don't want them to get a hold of you, that's fine. But where can they follow you, find other stuff that you're doing? I know you're on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you what that uh, – are you still there? I'm here. 
Okay, good. Um, I, I just hit something on the computer that I'm not sure I should have hit. So um, I, I don't remember what it's called on Twitter. Um, we'll, oh, it's at William Whedon. There you go. The both both capital W's. I don't know if that matters on Twitter. And then you can also follow me on my Facebook. Just look up William Whedon. Um, and uh, my I have my blog, uh, Whedon's blog. Google that. That's there. That's about the hangout. Oh, wow. and I'm on Goddess Teams. I'm one of the um, the editors for uh, Goddess Teams as well. I didn't know that. Yes. How long have you been doing that? Forever? Um, no, I just uh, that that was actually offered to me when I uh, was getting ready to leave Senate. They okay. said, "Hey, you want to come and write for us now?" Um, and I thought, you know, I I wouldn't mind writing some on for that. So it was a joy to do. So Goddess Saints is the Journal of the Lutheran Liturgy. Is it, that's quarterly, right, or is it monthly? Yeah, I'm mean, talking about the website, though. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I blog on the website. So you are all over the place, bringing out all sorts of good stuff. I know people will find you because they're going to want to hear more. Again, thank you for for engaging me on just this whole host of issues. Uh, listeners, again, if you want to know more about the science, uh, Pastor Weedon and I, you know, we, we've dug into it for our own personal needs, but we are by no means the experts in this. There are MDs and uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and uh, high-performance athletes, all sorts of professionals in the world that, that are looking at nutrition, looking at ketosis, and looking at protein and fat and, and how maybe it's – uh, more necessary than we've realized for a while. So the, the places to go, names like Sean Baker, again, that's the Human Performance Outliers, uh, names like Ted Naiman, N-A-I-M-A-N. Uh, he's on podcasts. Again, he's got that book, Physical Education. I, I have not read that yet, or Physical Protein Energization, whatever that was. Um, there's something else you can find out there right now on Amazon Prime. You do have to pay for it. it is a uh, documentary called Fat. Uh, and it is – I can't think of the guy. He's an Italian talk show host who's uh, like a morning show guy. It's a Sal – man, what is his name? Yeah. It's good. It's a great show. It's it, well, it's it's a really good documentary. Be careful. Yeah. There's two things. If you, do, if you look on Amazon Prime Video, there's two things called fat and one is a really bad not documentary that I watched half an hour of before I realized what it was and it's kind of disgusting. It's just it's – just, it's really a sad – movie is a story and um anyway but the documentary is about the history of removing fat from the american diet the politics and the money that went into making that happen and, and then the results and so i know if you're curious about all of this i say that's a really good easy place to just get a taste of the broad picture including i think my favorite part of all of it is the uh, that little link between the seventh day Adventist church and most of what we eat as americans that is that is something right there um but uh, if you want more, go dig in those places uh, and, rather than asking me because ultimately um, it's not my expertise. Happy to answer, but I don't want to mislead you. Um, and I, in that, not wanting to mislead you in all of this, why, why should you care about your health? Why should you care about your wellness? Because you are alive and you're never going to die. Your body's going to die possibly before Jesus comes back, but you're not going to die. You have new eyes. You have, a, you have a new mind. You have a way of seeing this world that's fearless. And so you might as well be open with it and say, well, look, look, we can just engage this battle knowing that we can't be overcome by what's out there. And so we might as well just face whatever's there. And if what we thought we've been doing all this time is wrong, oh, well, so it's wrong, whatever. And that goes for your, your moral life. If you've been living a life of decrepitude, and made all sorts of bad decisions, and everyone in your life hates you because of it, you're forgiven. Get up. Go back to fight. Let's start over. Let's learn a new thing. Turn over a new leaf, however you want to say it. 
And if it's a matter of your nutrition, same reality. If it's a matter of you haven't bothered learning to love singing the liturgy, well, hey, it's never too late to start. We stand on grace. We stand on grace. And that enables us, oh man, to have a courage the world only wishes, only wishes it could have. Don't wallow in the muck, my friends. Rock on. Hey, if you haven't pre-ordered my new book, Without Flesh, Why the Church is Dying Even Though Jesus is Alive, what are you waiting for? No, really, like, what are you waiting for? City's inhabitants are losing their minds. Trigger warning. This ain't a safe space. Insanity. Yes, completely, utterly. If you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing bad. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? <laughs>